praise the name of the Lord. It is always a great privilege for me to come into your homes. It is another wonderful evening and it is my prayer that the word of God will bring you total transformation, healing and restoration in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Our Heavenly Father, King of Glory, I want to thank you for this precious evening. Thank you for my listener. Thank you for everyone that is tuning in to this Bible study. Holy Spirit, minister your word into our life so that even as we share the scriptures together, we will grow in you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Good evening once again. It is time to study the scriptures. Now, in our church, we have been having this study on the attitude of the heart. And we begin the study with God's internal work. We believe that working with God and salvation is not of outward appearance. It is something that must begin from within. And then we proceeded to studying under the attitude of the heart. We proceeded to study faith, which is one of the attitude of the heart. And during that, we're made to understand that Abraham, who happened to be the father of faith, began his journey of faith by first conditioning his heart to believe who God is and his promises. In our last study, then we look at the the foundational attitude of faith. We learned that faith is trusting God based upon the revelation of himself that he has given unto us. Because our faith rests on the promises of God, it is not accurate to say that it is a blind faith. Faith is standing firmly on the promises of God as found in his words. It is then trusting him to fulfill those promises based upon what we know about his character according to the book of Hebrew chapter 11 verse 6. So faith, our faith is based on the revelation we have about God. That was our previous study and today we are going to be taking the anchor scripture as the book of 1st John chapter 2 verse 3 and 4. 1st John 2 verse 3 and 4. We said and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Knowing God goes beyond what we profess. Knowing God goes beyond how we appear. Knowing God goes beyond the association we have in the church. Knowing God comes from the revelation and the encounter, a personal encounter and personal revelations of him that we have. Knowing God is not based on the revelations of others. Knowing God should not be based on the revelation of others, though the revelation of others of God can encourage us, can stir up our faith, can stir up our spirit, but it is always good for us to pursue that personal revelation and personal encounter with him. Hallelujah. Now, when we go to the, the book of James chapter 2, 
James chapter 2 verse 17. James chapter 2 verse number 17. Please let open the scripture together. Now, the way we are going to do this Bible study today, you are going to, after listening to what I have to share with you, then you go to the comment section and share what you have learned and your contribution regarding today's study. It's Bible study, so it's supposed to be interactive. So James chapter 2 verse 17, it says, Even so faith, if it had not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou dost where the devil also believe and tremble. But without know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. So, what this means is that faith and works, works and enhance for the perfection of believers' relationship with God. Faith is not standing alone and work is not standing alone. And what is the work we are talking about here? Work here is obedience. Faith and obedience, they go together. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The purpose of faith is to please God. So when you believe that God exists, the next line of action is works, which is our obedience. And now the first question on the study today, please go through that Bible passage again. Let's see what you can also contribute regarding that particular Bible passage. And the first question, what is faith if it stands alone? What is faith if it stands alone? According to the book of James chapter 2, verse 17 to 20. Faith that stands alone is not a complete faith. The Bible says that faith without works is nothing. Faith without works is meaningless. So faith does not stand alone. In order for faith to be faith, it must be added to work. And what kind of work am I talking about? I am talking about obedience. In order for faith to be complete, it must go with obedience. Obedience to God. It is impossible for me to meet a stranger who wears red clothes and have a lot of beads around his neck and is prophesying to me. It is it's impossible for me to believe. I will even rebuke the spirit because I do not have faith in what he believes. Now, if I come to God and I have faith in God, what shows that I have faith in God is my work. And the work here is also what Apostle Paul was talking about in the book of Galatians, about the fruit of the Spirit. The work of faith is the fruit of the Spirit. In order for, for us to actually manifest completely in God, our obedience must correlate our obedience must work with our faith hallelujah number two question because faith is an inward attitude of the heart it cannot be seen how can our faith be seen how do we make our faith a physical one faith is invisible but how do we make that faith known to people we make 
our faith known, we make our faith to manifest by our work. By our work. And what should be our work is our obedience. Somebody can profess to be a Christian and still maintain the way of the world. Your faith is incomplete without complete obedience to God. That is why faith without work is useless. Number three question. Verse 23 of the book of James chapter 2 says that Abraham believed God and according to verse 21, how was his belief made visible? How was Abraham believed made visible? According to James chapter 2 verse 21, Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God and it was imputed for him as righteousness. God came to Abraham in a vision and told Abraham to go and offer his son as a sacrifice unto him. It was a test of Abraham's faith. And Abraham did not fail that test because he took action. And that action he took is an act of obedience. So we cannot be faith-professing believers. We need to be an obedient believer. So without faith, it is impossible to please God. The purpose of faith is to please God. And faith and obedience will lead us into pleasing God. That's the scriptures. Hallelujah. What did Abraham believe God would do according to Genesis chapter 22 verse 8? We have to open this scripture together. What did Abraham believe that God would do according to Genesis 22 verse 8. Abraham believed that God is able to fulfill his promises. You know, God told Abraham that he's going to be the father of many nations. God promised him that he's going to give him a seed that will multiply and fill the whole surface of the earth. And the same God came to Abraham asking him to go sacrifice the same boy that he has given to him. And when they were on their way, Isaac asked his father daddy we have every other thing we have the knife we have the fire we have every other thing but we don't have the sacrifice where is the sacrifice and abraham told the boy god will provide meaning that abraham was aware that his faith is being tested and he believed that god is going to provide the sacrifice hallelujah so faith without work is useless. When Abraham offered his son Isaac, he did it in obedience to the command of God while trusting in the character of God. Genesis 22 verse 2 to 3. He believed that God would provide a substitute for Isaac or that he would raise him from the dead. Genesis 22 verse 5, Hebrew 11 verse 19 recorded that account. Each of the men and women mentioned in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 have their faith described by an act of obedience towards God. When you go to the book of Hebrews, there were names of people that have had an encounter with God, that have had the greatest test of faith in life. Their names were mentioned. One of them is Joseph. One of them is Sarah. Their faith was described by their act of obedience to God. In order for 
our faith to be declared a perfect one, that faith must go in line with obedience. And what is obedience here? Obedience is obeying the instructions that are laid down for us in the scriptures. Obedience is following God. And when you have had a personal encounter with God, obedience becomes easy. Salvation is not of an outward appearance. Salvation is salvation must begin from within. And when it begins from within, it now radiates to the outward life. So that is when our transformation can be complete. Our transformation cannot complete when we strive to only transform the outside and we leave the inside untouched. Many believers have the professing faith, but we don't have the practicing faith. The practicing faith is faith plus work, faith plus obedience. The professing faith is faith. And God does not need our professing faith. God needs both our professing faith and our practicing faith. The professing faith is what everybody has. Oh, I'm a Christian. I believe in healing. I believe that God heals. But it becomes a, a practicing faith when I am sick and I believe that God can heal me. I believe in miracles. That is a professing faith. It becomes a practicing faith when I can say, okay, I believe that God will do a miracle for me. So that is why faith without work is a futile effort. It is required of us to demonstrate the act of obedience in our daily work with God. That is the only time our faith can be made complete. Hallelujah. The purpose of faith is to please God. The purpose of faith is not to receive only from God. That is why the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. The purpose of faith is to please God. So in order for us to be Christians the way God wants us to be, we must have both the professing faith and the practicing faith. Our faith must possess works and that work is obedience. We cannot profess to be believers and we live a life of deliberate disobedience. We cannot profess to be Christians and live a life of daily bitterness, bickerings, anger, complaining, and all those things. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Open with me the book of Galatians chapter 5. It speaks of the fruit of the Spirit. So the work that James is talking about is talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Faith, our faith must produce the fruit of the Spirit. It does not mean that when you receive the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit automatically begins to manifest that fruit inside you. It requires consistent obedience, personal encounter, personal effort. After you give your life to Christ, salvation is made complete by our consistent obedience to God. There are a lot of heresies going around that once saved is saved forever. It depends on the, on the interpretation you give to salvation. The interpretation I personally give to salvation is having a personal encounter with Christ. 
I am not saved until I have that personal encounter with God. Yes, it is a general belief that we are all saved by grace. Every sinner have access to the saving grace of Christ. But I am not, my salvation is not complete until I have gone through the process of sanctification. Until the Holy Spirit has helped me through sanctification. Until the Holy Spirit has helped me to drop my habitual behaviors. Until the Holy Spirit has helped me to drop some habits that I have before I give my life to Christ. Until I begin to manifest the fruit of the Spirit in me, that is when my salvation is made complete. Though, at the time of confessing Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, through my act of faith in my confession and in the saving grace of Christ, I have been declared forgiven. I have been declared forgiven. I have been declared a son of God. I am welcome into the household of God. The heart of God is now open to me. The gap between me and God has now been breached. To me, that is the interpretation I have for salvation. Salvation is an act of bridging the gap between me and God. After the gap is bridged between me and God, what next for me is my desire to have a deeper relationship with that God. And that is when my faith and my obedience to the word of God comes into play. It is not possible for me to have bridged gap between me and God and I remain there. No. The purpose of faith is to lead me to obedience to the word of God. So after I've given my life to Christ, after we have given our life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into us to help us to move away from just bridging the gap between our, ourselves and God and moves us to perfection. It moves us to a level where you now have that personal encounter with Christ. That is when your salvation is complete. When that personal encounter with Christ comes, you become a true child of God. That is why Jesus said, in the last days, some people will come to me and say, oh, Lord, we have cast out demons in your name. We have performed miracles in your name. And I will say to them that I do not know them. Why? Because they do not have personal encounter with him. It is possible for you to have gifts after you have given your life to Christ. It is possible for you to have, in fact, talents are even inborn. It is possible for you to use your talent for God and God will heal people. It is possible for you to have the gift of miracles and God will perform miracles through you. It is an act. It's a free gift that is given to you when you receive the, the gift of salvation and the Holy Spirit comes into you. After salvation, the Holy Spirit comes into you. The first thing that the Holy Spirit would do is to empower you, anoint you, gives you abilities. 
when he lives in you, he manifests the gift. It is now a personal responsibility to have that desire to move away from just a bridged gap to a personal relationship with God. And that is when my obedience is very important. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. I cannot have love. The kind of love that God wants me to have. Love without bitterness. Love without remembering the thoughts of people. Love without counting the thoughts of people. Love without remembering the things that people have done bad to me. It is not possible for me to have that love until I have opened up to God. Until I have had that personal encounter with Christ. And that is where my faith comes into play. My faith tells me that if I can take my weaknesses to God, God is going to help me. And that I approach God with my weaknesses and I'm able to receive grace, to drop my bitterness, to drop my unforgiveness, to drop my way of life. If any man is in Christ, all things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. That singular Bible passage, it is both a promise, it is both, it is a promise, it is an assurance, and it is a command. If a man is in Christ, Number one. Number two is a new creature. Is a new creature by the virtue of being bridged with God. All things have passed away. His old sins are forgiven. His sins are forgiven. And he's now welcoming to the household of faith. All things have become new. He is declared saved. But in order for every habit that he has in him to be dropped he will need to cultivate the habit of constant obedience to the word of god and i must tell you most times it's difficult to obey god that is why the holy spirit comes in to strengthen us to empower us to give us love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance he said, against such there is no law. But this fruit of the Spirit, it does not come at salvation. For everyone who has experienced true salvation, who has gotten born again, you will agree with me that the fruit of the Spirit does not come at salvation. After you confess Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the temptations are still there. The temptations are still there. The anger is still there. The unforgiveness is still there. After confessing Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, those things are still there. It will now take your personal effort, your personal desire, your personal effort through the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to drop those habits. The addictions are still there. After you give your life to Christ, you confess Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. It does not mean that automatically the addictions will go away. The addiction, it will require personal prayers, personal obedience, obedience to God. Obedience is now what will now propel you to start taking steps to put an end to the addiction in your life. That consciousness 
of your salvation leads you to obedience. Until it leads you to obedience, it is not a complete salvation. So it is possible for you to be saved and you still continue your addiction. And you still come out and say you are saved. It's an heresy. You are saved, truly. Grace has saved you. But you are just at the bridged level. Your, the gap between you and God has been bridged. You have access now to ask God for grace. But if you stay without asking, you will remain there. You will not grow spiritually. That is why somebody can say, I, I gave my life to Christ 1957. And you are still, at the end of that, you are still a church goer. You are still bitter against people. You still drink and get drunk. You still smoke. You still do things that you do. Even when you, before you gave your life to Christ, your office, everybody knows you as, as an evil man. It means the work of faith has not yet manifested in you. And that is why obedience is required in order for the work of faith to manifest in us. First step is obedience. Thou shall not kill. Obey the last command. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Obey. Now, in an effort to obey that command, that is when your addiction will pop up, your anger will pop up, your unforgiveness will, will pop up. It will not take personal effort with the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to put an end to those uh, bitterness, anger, addiction, and all that. Hallelujah. Salvation is an act of obedience. But salvation at the base level is not complete without genuine obedience. And genuine obedience comes out of genuine repentance. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. So I'm going to round off here today. At the comment section, you can post your question. And you can also post your contribution. You can also post what you have learned today. By God's grace, we are going to continue next week, Wednesday. And the question, the last question I'm going to leave here is, what evidence of your faith might others see through your lifestyle? What evidence of your faith can others see through your lifestyle? What evidence of my faith might others see through my lifestyle? As my faith lead me to obedience, or my faith is keeping me in my, in my disobedience? As my faith lead me to desire to have personal relationship with Christ? Or am I still on the surface? As my faith lead me to go out and preach the gospel to the poor, extend my hand of grace to the poor, and restore the, the lost soul to God? As my profession of faith lead me to obedience that's the question i want us to ponder upon because it is then that our salvation will be made complete god bless you in jesus name please post your question post your contribution let's discuss the scriptures it is bible study god bless you Praise the name of the Lord.
our God is good. It is another opportunity for me to come into your homes and your offices today. And it is my prayer that what God wants this world that is coming at this moment to accomplish to accomplish in your life shall be accomplished in the name of Jesus Christ. We give God the glory. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for another blessed day as this. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the life of that woman listening to me now, for the life of that young man listening to me now, for the life of that person that needs healing that is listening to me right now. Father, I give you praise. I give you glory, I give you honor that this word that is coming out this evening will bring complete transformation of their spirit, soul, and body in Jesus' mighty name. Let me decrease that you may increase through me. In Jesus' precious name, I have prayed. Amen. It is another privilege for me to share the word of God this evening. Uh, this Friday evening, it is time for open heavens. And today, I want to take my reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 32. Genesis, chapter 32. And I am speaking on something that I titled Effective Prevailing Prayers. Effective Prevailing prayers. It is important for us to know that prayer is not effective until answers are recorded. Prayers are not effective or prayer is not effective until results are released. You cannot be declared a champion if you have not run the race and win the race. So, prayer is not prayer until it has yielded desired result or result that complements the will and the purpose of God in the life of the person who offered the prayers. I want to read from the book of Genesis, chapter 32, from verse number 9 to 12. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, the Lord which said unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and all the truth which thou hast shewed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hands of my brother, from the hands of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me, and the mother would the children. Verse 12. 
And thou said, I will surely do thee good, and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Holy Spirit, come and deliver your word to your children this evening through me. In Jesus' mighty name. One of my greatest uh, prayer principles is prayer must not be methodic. Prayer must be dynamic. Prayer must not be methodic in the sense that prayer must not have a, a guideline, a guideline set up by man in order for it to become effective. Prayer must be dynamic in the sense that prayer must be led and controlled by the Holy Spirit. When a man or a woman, a child of God, is filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit takes over the leading of the entire aspect of his or her life, prayers included. The Holy Spirit instructs him on the type of prayers he should pray in order for him to meet the heart of God. Every prayer that meets up with the will of God must receive an answer. There are several prayers that are being prayed every day, but it is not every prayer that is prayed that received answer. So that is why I want to extensively open your eyes to what you can do to make your prayer as effective as possible. Hallelujah. In every church, in every organization, in every Christian family, prayer is an integral part. Prayer is an important part of our church. Prayer is an important part of our family. And prayer is an important part of our Christian society. A Christian society that prayer is not included. It is just a gathering. It is just a gathering. It is not a prayer. It, it is not a church. It is not a, a body of Christ. Hallelujah. So, it is my prayer tonight that God will grant us wisdom as we learn under the feet of Christ. Yes. In our daily devotions, prayer must be one of prayer is an important part in our daily devotions in our daily work with god i know that prayer is a very important part of our life especially in most of our homes we wake up in the morning the first thing we do is we talk to god we commit our days into the hands of god uh, and then during the day we set a time apart for a quiet time and if our work will not allow us to pray during the day, we find time during the evening or even at midnight to pray. There are several types of prayers that has been written down by men in several books. Well, I have my approach to uh, so many things, so many doctrines, especially uh, when it comes to doctrines that concern man and God and his relationship with him. I believe strongly that our relationship with God must be dynamic. Our relationship with God must not be determined 
by another man. It is important for us to know that God has come to reveal himself to individuals through the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of his son Jesus Christ. Even pastors are supposed to teach the dynamism of the word of God. And Holy Spirit is the dynamics of God in the Christendom. So we need to understand that prayers that are methodic, prayers that are determined by the rule of man, might find it difficult to receive answer from God. In order for us to have effective prevailing prayers, our prayer must be that of a dynamic type, not a methodic type. That is one of my greatest principles. Prayer, we need to understand, it is what keeps us together with God. Prayer is what keeps us together with God. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is more of a relationship. And one thing to cement our relationship with God is our prayer. Prayer is also a fellowship with God. When we pray, we are fellowshipping with our Father. When we pray, we are communing with our Father. Prayer is also communing with God having conversation with your heavenly father that is prayer when prayer is like this then the prayer have 100 percent chance to become a dynamic prayer and once a prayer is dynamic it must receive an answer when you view prayer as a means of daily communication with god just as i communicate with my earthly father and i communicate with my earthly mom and I communicate with my earthly friends. Prayer, communication between we, God's children, and our Father must be dynamic. I do not need to follow a particular lay-down method in order for me to talk to my dad. I do not need to follow a particular lay-down principles in order for me to approach my mom and tell my mom what I need. I do not need to follow a particular lay-down method and lay-down rule by men in order to communicate with my friends, my best friends, and my family members. We need to get to a level in our relationship with God where we are able to see God as our Heavenly Father, the greatest Father of all, the, the one who put himself, he put his personality in our earthly parent as a type of who he is and our communication must be dynamic with him we need not to follow any man's method when the disciple came to jesus and asked him to teach them to pray jesus told them the kind of prayer jesus does not compare them to make that prayer a method what jesus is trying to teach his disciple is that our prayer must must contain thanksgiving our prayer must we, we must be grateful in our daily work with god our prayer must be must be thankful must be a prayer of worship and it must be a prayer of supplication and a prayer of request in each prayer that we we gather to make worship devotion telling god our need must be part of it and that is what makes our prayer a dynamic one. Prayer is also depending on God. 
in my work with God for over uh, 19 years in, in ministry, I have gone to understand that uh, prayer is not just when you open your mouth and ask God for something. An act of dependence of God can be looked at as prayer. An act of dependence on God in your heart of heart, in your soul of soul, you are always channeling every of your need, every of your plans, every of your desire to God. The book of Proverbs, made us, chapter 3, made us to understand that in all our ways, we must acknowledge Him. So when you acknowledge God, I see it as an act of devotion. And once it's an act of devotion, prayer is an act of devotion. So sometimes when you have a devoted life and you, you, you have total dependence on God, it can be viewed as an act of prayer. Prayer is also the intercourse of our soul with God. Not in contemplation or meditation, but in direct address to God. Prayer is the intercourse of our soul with God. Prayer is the fusion of our earthly need to God. Prayer is also, prayer can also be aura. Prayer can be oral communication. Prayer can be mental. Prayer can be a, 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 a simple meditation, a silent communication. Prayer can be occasional. Prayer can be constant. Prayer can be ejaculatory. Prayer can be ejaculatory in the sense that spontaneous. Yes, prayer can be spontaneous. And the spontaneity of prayer is what makes it dynamic meaning i can be in a, in a bus or i can be driving and the holy spirit is putting it on my on my mind in need to intercede and to pray for somebody at the moment i do not need to close my eyes at that time while i'm driving i can communicate with god i can pray to god while in silence at the same time doing what i am doing so that is what makes it spontaneous. Prayer can also be formal. Prayer is beseeching God. When we look at the book of Exodus chapter 32, verse 11, you can take note of that and go through it. Prayer is also the, the outpouring of our soul before the Lord. We saw that in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 15, where Hannah, who had suffered a lot of ridicule, from the hands of the people around her, went to the altar, started communing with God, silent communication with God, and the, the priest thought she was drunk because the priest could not hear what she was saying. So he concluded that the woman had gotten drunk. But God listened to the hearty desire of Anna and a prayer was granted jesus also said sometimes when you want to pray shut your door and go to your closet and pray in your closet your heavenly father who sees in secret will answer you in public jesus is not saying that all the time we need to lock ourselves up in the room but what jesus is trying to say at that moment is that prayer must be 
a dynamic prayer. Prayer must be must be a communication, a direct, a genuine and a genuine communication between you and your heavenly Father. Prayer can also be seeking God and making supplications and intercessions on behalf of people. And prayer is also drawing near to God. An act of having a desire to have the fullness of God in your life can also be viewed as an act of prayer. Now, here is the truth that it is that I want you to understand today. It is not every prayer that is prayed that will receive answer. That is the fact that I want you to know. It is not every prayer that is prayed that will receive answer. We have we have seen in several times where thousands of people gathered and the presence of God comes down and four people are giving testimonies. It does not mean that the rest of the the people has not been touched by God, but there is a way God operates. There are so many people praying. Uh, millions of prayers are being prayed daily. People are asking God for their needs. It is not every prayer that is receiving answer. It is not every prayer that we ever receive answer. That is the fact I want you to know. Because a prayer will be answered based, it will be answered, it will be heard, it will be answered based on its acceptability and consistency to God's principle. Prayer will be accepted. Prayer will be listened to. It will be accepted. It will be answered based on its acceptability to God and based on its consistency to the word with the word of God. If you are praying outside the will of God, you don't expect God to answer the prayer. If you are praying for something that will destroy you, you don't expect God to answer the prayer. If you are praying against the purpose of God for your life, you don't expect God to answer your prayer. Those are the things that can make our prayer unanswered. I'll be giving you deeper details about the reason why some prayers will never receive answer. So in order for us to have effective prevailing prayers, effective life of complete resort-based prayer, we must learn to pray according to the will of God for our life. Now, in order for prayer to be heard, what are the things that you need to do? In order for your prayers to be heard, what are the things that you need to do? The, the first thing, your prayer must be in accordance with the will of God. First of all, whatever you are praying for must be in accordance with the will of God. Your prayer must be acceptable with God. Your prayer must correlate with, your desire must correlate with the will and purpose of God for your life. That is why in every aspect of our work with God, the first thing we need to first discover is our purpose for living. It's our purpose. If you don't discover your purpose, you'll be praying wrong prayers. Once you have discovered your purpose, you, you, you have a sense of direction, automatic sense of direction. Discovering of your purpose helps you 
to escape certain decisions. It helps you to escape certain mistakes and it gives you a sense of direction. Once you have that sense of direction, your, your, your prayer is, is, is centered around your purpose. It is automatic. Once you know that God wants you to be in ministry, you, your prayer, your mind begins to direct your prayer to ministry. If you once you discover that it is the will of God for you to be a medical doctor, your mind, everything will be channeled towards that dimension. So you need to understand first the purpose of God for your life in order for the prayer to become effective. Once you understand the purpose and the will of God for your life, then it is easy to pray acceptable prayer in the sight of God. You can look to the book of Hebrew, chapter 10 verse 22 let's 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 look at the book of hebrew chapter 10 verse 22 together what does it say about this particular one that our prayer must correlate with the will of god it must be acceptable by god hebrew chapter 10 verse number 22 Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. So when we have our heart sprinkled with the blood of Jesus and our conscience is washed with a, with a, with a, with a spring of, of life, the Holy Spirit, we, we are bound to pray prayers that are acceptable to God. Our, our mind, spirit, soul, and body is blood-washed. And our life is being controlled by the spring of life, which is the Holy Spirit. We are bound to pray prayers that correlate with the purpose and plans of God for our life. In order for your prayers to be heard, we must also have genuine reasons. Genuine reasons. Genuine motive. Genuine purpose of the prayer that you are praying. The prayer that you are praying, are you praying it to glorify God? Are you asking God what you are asking for so that you'll be able to glorify God in his life? Or you are praying to satisfy your fleshly desires? I imagine someone who is already married. He is already married and he found another lady and he goes to God to go and pray, Father, help me so that this lady can accept me. For me to commit fornication or adultery with her. God can never answer such prayer. Imagine somebody praying to God for him or her to be able to kill somebody successfully without being discovered. God will never answer such a prayer. There was a man, a, a man who was owing somebody for a very long time and he did not want to pay. So he, he, he borrowed money to go to the mountain to go and be praying against the person he borrowed money from. Say, Father, let have, let him forget the money I borrowed from him so that I will not pay him. God doesn't answer such prayers. At the end of the day, the devil deceived him to believe that, to make him believe that God has answered the prayer. At the moment of his dear need, that is when the, 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 the creditors came to collect their money. He almost lost his head. You cannot pray against the purpose of God. You cannot pray against the word of God. Every desire 
that does not go in line with the word of God cannot receive answer. Amen. Your prayer must be offered to God with worship, with devotion. With devotion, not with pride, not with anger, not with bitterness. God is not our age mate where you get angry with God because he has refused to answer your previous prayer. Then you approach him with uh, anger as if you are angry with God. Our prayer must be prayed in total reference to God in order for that prayer to be acceptable before the sight of God. Our prayer must be prayed with humility, with meekness, with, with humble heart, with humble soul, with humble desire, asking God to allow his will to be done in our life. Jesus had a purpose, and his greatest purpose is to come to earth to die for the sin of man. But he got to a point in his life at the Garden of Gethsemane that Jesus became afraid of the cross. He was tempted to, to become afraid of the cross. And he went to God, asked God if the cup could be taken off him. But in the end, towards the end of his prayer, he asked God for only the will of God to be done. And he prayed that prayer three times, that God's will will be done. Until we begin to pray for God's will to be done in our life, our prayer may not become effective. Until we begin to ask the will of God to prevail over our own self-wills, our prayer may not be effective. Until we begin to put the will of God first in our life, our prayer may not be effective. Because God will only back what is what backs. God will only back what correlates with his purpose. So if what I am asking from God is against the purpose of God for my life, I, I do not expect God to answer that prayer. I do not expect God to answer that prayer. So we need to understand this, that first of all, the first thing to do in life is to discover your purpose. In another podcast, I will be talking more about how to discover your purpose in life. How to find out what the purpose of God is for your life. You know, the greatest achievement any man or any woman can achieve in life is the discovery of the purpose of God for his life. Now, once you discover the purpose of God for your life, 50% of your prayers are answered. Why? Because before your purposes were formed, before your purpose were formed, was formed, God already made provision for everything you need to fulfill the purpose. Before you were born, he knew who you are. Before you, before, you were, before you were born, before you start growing up, he knew who you are. And he has purpose certain things for you. And for every purpose of God in the life of his children, provisions had already been made, even before the purpose was released. We saw that in the life of Jeremiah. God told him before he was formed, he knew him. There are so many people that God had made provision for before they were even born. You see that God has always been following the same principle. Before you were born, he made provision for you. Before Jesus was born, there was a foreigner that we announced him. God already made a provision. The first thing that God did was to make provision for the womb that will carry Jesus. God had made provision for everything that Jesus needed, including the, the camel that Jesus will ride into Jerusalem. That thing has been written even before 
Abraham was born, before Abraham was born, God has proposed it. So many generations, even before your father met your mom, God already proposed what you are going to become in life. Now, when you discover that purpose, it's the greatest achievement you can achieve in life. Discovering the purpose of God for your life, discovering the purpose of God for your career, discovering the purpose of God for your marriage, who you should marry, where you should live, the location you should live, the, the, the career you should get into, the people you should partner with in business, the people that should stay with you, once you discover those purposes, 50% of your life's prayers has already been answered. Why? Because for each purpose, provisions had already been made. Discovery is the greatest achievement that unlocks the key to open heavens over the purpose of God for your life. God will not give you a message that he cannot back. God will not send you on an errand that he cannot support you. The problem of so many people is that we've, we chase the wrong thing. The first thing you need to chase in life is the purpose of God for your life. There were many men of God who were called into the ministry. They did not wait to ask God what kind of ministry they were called into. Once they heard that they were called, maybe two or three prophets told them that they were called. They jumped straight to Bible school to go and study pastoral theology. Many of them were called to be ushers. Many of them were called to be singers. Many of them were called to be to be broadcasters. Many of them were called to be just worship leaders. Many of them were called to be prophets, to be evangelists, to be apostles. But because they were not able to wait and discover what their real calling is, they assumed that they are called to pastor a church or they are called into a particular ministry. And that makes life so stressful for them. And the devil will take advantage of the ignorance about the purpose of God for your life to afflict you. So many people are praying outside the purpose of God for their life. That is why prayers are not receiving answers. Every prayer that you pray within the purpose of God for your life receives automatic answer. So my encouragement to you today is to first of all, discover the purpose of God for your destiny. What is the blueprint of your life? What is the blueprint that God has laid for you? What is the footpath that God has made for you? Everybody have a landmark. What is your landmark? What is your divine mandate? Once you discover that divine mandate, 50% of your entire life's prayers has been answered. And that is what makes your prayer effective. One thing that makes your prayer effective, that's number one. Now, in order for your prayer to be, to be heard by God, it must be prayed in faith. It must be prayed in consistency with God, consistency with God's will and purposes for your life. You cannot use logics to fight spiritual battles. Even when it comes to spiritual warfare, in my work with God for some years now, when it comes to spiritual warfare, the first thing I do when somebody approaches me with a spiritual problem, the, the first thing I do as an intercessor is to go to God. Ask God, what is the battle plan? What is the source of this problem? What 
is is this problem coming from this person's mistakes is this problem coming from his parent mistake is it that the person is outside your purpose for his life and god will speak there was a man i that approached me for prayer and i was praying with him and the spirit of god ministered to me that this man was in serious problem it was in serious it was in serious debt it was in serious his life was upside down nothing was working for him and he's been like that for years and when he came to church we prayed and right there the spirit of god spoke that he was owing somebody back in his home country he was owing someone back in his home country and in order for him to progress in life he must go back to that person he was owing even though he did not have the money at present he must go and make peace with that person he was owing which was very difficult for him because he sort of eloped out of the country because of the same debt when the spirit of god revealed this he was surprised that god revealed this to me regarding his issue and the point is that when you get to a level in your work with god in your prayer in your prayers and god begin to re- re- reveal the cause of your problem to you you already have your solution all you need is obedience so he left the country went back to his own country called his family members met with a person apologized to her and reconciled with her and that was it that was it the next day he got an offer he got an employment the next day and that employment that he got he never came back to 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 ghana he started flourishing in in his home, home country and he was blessed and he was able to pay his debt for years he has been praying that god will help him pay his debt but he was not aware that he needs to go back and reconcile first the bible says that my people perish for lack of knowledge many of us are praying amiss not because we are not born again many of us are praying amiss not because we are sinners many of us are praying amiss because we do not understand the mind of god for our life we do not understand what god is saying regarding our case i pray that god will give you revelation of himself and you will be aware of his will and his purpose for your life prayer must be done with an attitude of faith with an attitude of total dependence on god you cannot believe in your own super uh, your, your own strength and expect god to intervene in your issue prayer must be done with total submission to divine will Eh, because you may be praying for something that is going to destroy you a lady was asking god for uh, marriage he was asked she was asking god for marriage for a very long time and god was not it seems god was not answering her prayers she became so discouraged she she became so perplexed and she wanted to withdraw from a commitment to god so I approached her and I spoke words of encouragement to her told her listen you have to uh trust God he is going to do it for you and she listened now in her home church she is one of the Sunday school teacher 
Bible Bible study teacher in a home church, and this uh, home church they have a branch in Canada. They have branches all over the countries, and one of these days, the headquarters sent few people to their branch for some sort of workshop and training. Out of which, one of the the teachers that were sent uh, saw her and liked her and they connected in the Lord and within the space of a few weeks and few months their love grew and the man went back to where he came from few weeks later to cut the whole story short she they came together did their engagement it did not take time before the young man got promotion in his ministry and he was transferred from his home church to Canada. And before, because he was going to Canada, they have to rush their marriage and then she ended up going to Canada with her husband. Now, she had a different purpose. She was praying for two things, praying for marriage at the same time, praying for visa to Germany. And every time she, she applied for visa to Germany, she was denied because she was actually going to Germany to go and do housemate jobs. All she, all a dream, all a plan is that when I go, get to Germany, I will go and serve then so that I can make money and better the life of my family at home. But God had a different purpose for her. She ended up in Canada as a married woman to a pastor, a senior pastor of a church in Canada. So sometimes when we are busy blaming God for things that we did not receive, we do not understand the bigger plans that he has for us. I want to encourage you today. I want to know that you are in the mind of God. God is working for you. When you find yourself in a situation where your prayers the answer to your prayers have been delayed. You need to be patient and be persistent in your worship, in your commitment to God. In my conclusion today, I want to speak into your life and I want to declare that heaven will open over your life in the precious name of Jesus Christ. I command open heavens over your prayer life. I command open heavens over your finances. I command open heavens over your prayer life. As you kneel down to pray, as you raise your voice to pray, heaven will listen. May God direct your mind, give you the spirit of knowledge and might, the spirit of power, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of wisdom to understand his purpose for your life, to understand his will for your life so that you will not pray amiss. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, I minister healing to your soul. Every disease that is ravaging your life, I cast them out in Jesus' name. Every depth, every, every attack of the night, I cast them out in the name of Jesus Christ. Every curses and jinxes, I break them in the mighty name of Jesus. I decree by the decree of heaven that heaven will pour down the rain of mercy over you and your prayers will receive strength to reach the heart of God. I pray for the impartation of the Holy Spirit and its leading over your life. It will lead your prayer life and it will make your life a dynamic one. 
in the blessed name of Jesus Christ. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.